Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. I have no idea what put me on this course, but I sometimes get preoccupied with the whole idea of aquariums sort of running amok. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of crazy, but have you ever had that tank where the plants kind of grew out of control a bit, covering a ton of space and, and turning it into this like jungle-like canopy of green? You hear that term jungle tossed around a lot in fish circles to describe a tank that for whatever reason either got out of control with rampant plant growth or maybe coral growth in the reef world seemingly in every direction and and thinking is this a bad thing i suppose one could make the argument that if you're trying to achieve one of those artistic yet sterile looking fantasy world aquariums that this is the worst nightmare now the kind of thinking a lot of people get upset about this and that's kind of rigid thinking it's the kind of thinking that doesn't allow us the comparative luxury of understanding the beauty in all natural processes even when not controlled by man it's a form of stubbornness that we in the hobby have perpetuated in the past few decades seemingly rejecting any way of aquascaping or managing an aquarium other than disciplined and perfect if not even artificial appearing To let things go to some extent is simply considered bad technique or laziness on the part of the owner in some circles. On the other hand, when you think about it and ponder why the plants or coral are growing out of control, we tend to pin it on the laziness of the hobbyist. And I just think that's funny because here you have a plant or a coral that's doing so well that it grew to massive proportions and took over a tank because it was, well, happy. And we call that laziness. Somebody did something, provided some means for the life forms to grow like they did. I'd say that's doing something, right? Really, I kind of think it's a symbol of success in some fashion. I mean, you've just got a plant or coral or groups of them so happy that they're literally growing into a a jungle. Why is this a bad thing? Is it because it's not healthy for the life forms residing in it? Is it bad because we didn't apply some sort of manicuring or control to it? Or it is because, you know, we somehow feel it represents a rejection of the accepted notion of how to do things. Oh, sure. Sometimes these things happen because the hobbyist was busy traveling, dealing with other life issues, whatever. And nature just kind of took its course. So they weren't intentional. But the fact is the life forms in the tank grew. And some grew more than others. However, the tank was obviously set up correctly in order to facilitate even this unchecked, unplanned growth, right? Like an unintended garden or an untended garden, excuse me, a certain degree of natural chaos ensues when you don't trim, organize, and otherwise manage a planted aquarium or even a reef tank. Some plants and corals will thrive, some will do okay, and some will crash. And then there's those among us who deliberately attempt to cultivate a random, seemingly jungle-like tank because they love the aesthetic. And guess what? Those are wonderful too. I have a friend, my friend Dave, he's one of the most talented reef aquarists I've ever met. Actually, an overall aquarist. His reef tank is fantastic. One of the nicest ones in the United States. It's vibrant. He has a lot of knowledge of system design, equipment, husbandry, and overall technique that's far beyond the level of many people will ever achieve. And I remember a few years back, Dave said, I want to do a freshwater tank with libraries and tetras and all the fish I remember from when I was a kid. And he said, I want a jungle of plants. And he did it. And it was super cool. And you know what? That seemingly random choked with live plants aquarium is teeming with life. Healthy, colorful, beautiful life. Living in splendor, really. And I think it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Just flat out alive. It holds you in sort of a fish geek trance. You could literally stare at the thing for hours. Again, there are many who would levy the ignorance, neglect, lack of style arguments against this tank. But Dave couldn't give a shit. Dave did it because he liked it. 
that's actually a hard thing for some people to stomach and understand. And I get it, I guess. A lot of hobbyists won't like that any more than they like my idea of botanical method aquariums with decomposing leaves. And I get that. What I don't get is that we ascribe the terms laziness, sloppy, chaotic, or undisciplined to systems that are, I don't know, outside the norm. To me, to ascribe such terms to a tank uh, when it meets one of the primary goals of the aquatic hobby to provide a comfortable, healthy environment for our animals is itself lazy, sloppy, and deliberately undisciplined. I think it only fitting that we look at these a little bit differently. And I, there's a great quote by none other than the late, great Takashi Amano, the man who you know, is revered worldwide as the advocate of what came to be called the nature aquarium style. Somehow his simple words resonate, even if, in my opinion, the message might have been misinterpreted by so many. And he said, a layout that is created naturally over time appears a lot more natural than one that is maintained intentionally by the creator. Reflect on those words. Think about it the next time you see an Aquarium, which seems to follow no rules, is laid out by those who feel it necessary to do so. Dare to think like an individual and push yourself beyond the stubborn, confining barriers that some have imposed on the art of aquarium keeping. Think about that. Think about also, I don't know, the way things run. If you're like 80% of the aquarists out there, you tend to work pretty damn hard to make sure that you're doing all that you can for your fishes to keep them healthy and their environment stable. Of course, on occasion, life does get busy, and you might have stretches of times where you're simply not able to take care of your aquariums as perfectly as possible. Life happens. With our botanical-focused natural aquariums, what happens when we skip a water change or two, or filter media replacement, or if we can't feed our fishes as often as we used to? Is this a big problem? I mean, you have a tank filled with a significant amount of slowly decomposing leaves, botanical materials, etc., which contribute to the bioload of the aquarium. The amount of material has to have some impact on water quality, right? It does, but not always in the way you might think. Now, it's hardly scientific. It's more like a common sense thing. But if you're careful about how much botanical material you add in the first place and how quickly you add it, the impact of all this stuff is more of a positive, really. All additions of botanicals to an existing aquarium need to be measured, deliberate, slow, and considerate. You need to observe your fish's reactions and monitor water chemistry and stay alert to the changes and demands that botanicals will place on your aquarium. And they will. There's no mystery here. Adding a ton of stuff to an established aquarium creates environmental changes and impacts that can't be ignored. But again, are all these impacts necessarily bad? No, I don't think so. Again, if you think about it, these materials function as a substrate, a fuel of sorts for the growth of beneficial bacteria, biofilms, and other microorganisms within the aquarium. In my opinion and experience, when added gradually and methodically, you can look at all this stuff as the biological power station for your work, supporting a population of organisms which serve to break down more toxic compounds and substances via the nitrogen cycle. I think it's sort of analogous to the use of live rock in a reef aquarium. Live rock is considered by many to be an essential component of a reef aquarium because it serves as that aforementioned biological filtration substrate or biocatalyst for the colonization of billions of nitrifying bacteria. This is something I like to see more serious research on because I think there's something there in terms of our botanical method aquariums. So again, though, what are the implications of us if our husbandry should slip up now and then and our tank turns into a jungle like I was talking about earlier? With all the botanical material, will it continue to break down, keeping the water tinted? Will biofilms you know, continue to colonize the open surfaces? Will water chemistry swing wildly? Will phosphate and nitrate accumulation occur? Will the aquarium descend into utter chaos? Or will it simply continue to function as usual? It's my belief that it will. 
I mean, when you think about it, the natural botanical method aquarium is sort of set up to replicate a habitat where all this stuff's taking place already. Leaves, seed pods, all that stuff are more or less ephemeral in nature and are constantly breaking down in these environments. And decomposition, accumulation of epiphytic growth, and colonization of various life forms is continuous. Now, I realize that an aquarium is not an open system, but for the sake of this little section of the habitat, the substrate, there are many functional analogies if you study it carefully. How much more will things change by simply delaying water exchanges for several weeks? By not siphoning any detritus out? Will it really become sort of a problem? Or will the bacteria, the fungal growths, and the other microorganisms, crustaceans, living in our botanical substrates continue to do what they do, break down organic waste and reproduce? I think they will. So if you're one of those benign neglect phase kind of moments in your aquarium hobby career or the operational life cycle of your aquarium, it's entirely possible that an established microfauna population supported by extensive use of botanical materials can act as a sort of biological failsafe for your tank. Sure, botanical method aquariums are easy to maintain if you set them up and manage them correctly from the start. Obviously, along the way, leaves and other botanical materials will impart chemical compounds, including lignin, sugars, carbohydrates, cellulose, and of course, the coveted humic substances and tint-producing tannins during their submerged existence. The important thing to ponder when using leaves and botanicals is that you're likely to see an initial burst of the desired and less desired compounds shortly after they're submerged in the aquarium. And then what? The extent and degree to which these compounds are imparted to the aquarium depends on tons of factors, environmental conditions, the age and condition of the leaves and the botanicals, the presence of shredders and grazers in your tank, and the extent of your preparation process. Of course, your microfauna population will adjust and grow according to the food sources that are available to it. However, not entirely set and forget systems, yet they're capable of running relatively untended if you apply common sense to them. In other words, don't overpopulate your tank. Don't feed excessive amounts of food. Don't forget to engage in regular maintenance, you know, water exchanges, whatever. Be smart. You can do this. It's not that crazy. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> stay open-minded. Stay unique. Stay strong. Stay creative. Stay bold. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Santa Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.